0: Hello and welcome to From the Trenches, the Business Examiner podcast, presented by Coastal Community Credit Union. Who's helping you take care of your financial health? Coastal Community Credit Union is here to help you reach your goals and do great things. Visit cccu.ca for more information. This episode's special guest is the president and CEO of the Wilson's Group of Companies. Leading a business in arguably the hardest hit sector from the challenges over the past few years is no simple feat. But it's not the first time he and his team have had to weather significant storms. Our conversation covers how resiliency is built in business leaders, the importance of passion, family, and much more. Our conversation starts now.
1: My name is John Wilson. I'm president, CEO, and owner of the Wilson's Group of Companies. We're uh, the largest ground transportation company, a passenger ground transportation company on Vancouver Island, uh, one of the top three in British Columbia, and I've been doing it for over 35 years. And, uh, yeah, I'm the chair of the uh, Chamber of Commerce here in Victoria as well. So, yeah, born and raised in uh, Victoria and uh, proud to be, uh, be a Victorian and, uh, to be, uh, one of the, uh, survivors of, uh, of the bus business.
0: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I look forward to our conversation. You were one of the first People that I interviewed when I started as a contract writer with this uh, with this company, and at the time you had highlighted uh, you know some of the different changes that were going on. But when you had taken over the company, there was uh, some health challenges in the family. There was an office building fire and a, and a driver core challenge, kind of in one shot. And then obviously you know between that time, there's been some you know just general business challenges. I'm sure. Then obviously COVID uh, came and hit you know the tourism as is, is hard as it's probably ever been hit. So. What came to mind in that is just this theme of of you uh, your entrepreneurial spirit being an, an overcomer, um, and I'm wondering if if some things come to mind in how or what has contributed to you being able to make it through these challenges that are, where a lot of people did not.
1: Yeah, family number one for sure. The support and uh, and belief in uh, by my family. Uh, both uh, we have many working within the company in key roles but also others, including my mom and dad who started the company uh, and my wife who uh, was worked in the company, but has since retired. So without a doubt, family, number one, the community, number two, we've uh, been in this community for 40 plus years now. We've always had the belief of uh, not just taking from the community, but giving back. We, we punch above our weight in, in that respect. I always believe we've done that. And, uh, It was very uh, heartwarming and kind, uh, the support we've gotten, both uh, pre-pandemic, but certainly during the pandemic. And uh, we look forward to uh, being able to uh, get back to our ways of uh, giving back to the community now that we're uh, starting to see the uh, tourism and our our business uh, come back after uh, post-pandemic.
0: When you're looking at at the pandemic itself, from an operational perspective, how did you approach it?
1: One of my favorite uh, sayings is like uh, during the pandemic is we were all in a storm. We're just in different sized boats. You know, some people thrived in their business. Some people, their business didn't really change much. Some people got hammered. I believe tourism was the hardest hit industry. So that said, I I don't believe anybody was immune to the pandemic, even if their businesses thrives. I'm sure their family, their social life everybody was affected by it some was affected more uh than others again our industry was affected hard tourism was affected hard but motor coach ground transportation it's our our job is to move people to travel so to speak the government told people not to move not to travel so it's as i say we have a strong market share uh we just lost the market we never thought the market would not come back. You know, we we live in a beautiful place, one of the greatest places on Earth, and uh, it's people's nature that they want to travel. And uh, that's what we do. We move them up and down the island and wherever they may want to go and over to Vancouver and such. So we we believed all along that when the market came back, our market share would be there as strong as ever, if not stronger. But, you know, 95% down in revenue in 2020, another... um, 60 to 70 percent down in 2021 devastating top line numbers and that affected the bottom line we had to dial it back unfortunately an employee base of 250 people was reduced down to six people in the darkest days in 2020. Uh, I'd be lying to you if we thought it wouldn't affect us long term right from the get-go I certainly didn't think it would be two years before we get back on our feet again really two and a half kind of because We're a very seasonal business. May through September, we make 75% of our revenues. As you know, the pandemic happened in February of 2020. So we were in the middle of our slow slash shoulder season, getting ready for our peak season. And we never got to that peak season. So it was really two and a half seasons of uh, minimal revenues. Uh, We had to restructure our financing, eliminate some locations, and um, we did everything we could to survive, knowing that if we could get through the dark days, if we could survive, we could thrive at the end of it. And that was the plan all along. Uh, But again, I didn't think it would take two years to to get back to uh, moving again. I think a lot of us were that way, never being through a pandemic again. I I thought it was uh, um, a little ironic. My dad and I, when we were building this business together, We always thought, we started in the trucking business and went into the busing, and there's different sectors of busing. There's, in my belief, six sectors of busing, and we were in about five of those sectors, and we did that for diversity. So if something happened in the tourism, we would have the schools. If something happened in industrial, we'd have uh, tourism. Of course, when we uh, made this plan, we never had the pandemic in mind, and the, the pandemic pretty much hit every bit of our business our group of businesses but uh you know we're we're here we're here to talk about it we're growing we got about half our fleet on the road and we got about 60 to 70 percent of our employees back and we fully intend to keep keep getting our goal is to get back to 18 and 19 levels unfortunately i think it's going to be 24 25 before we can get there but that's okay we'll keep going
0: I think what, I, what I'm hearing about uh, as you're talking, there's this idea of resiliency, which is actually, to me, a fairly rare quality. And I'm wondering if you if anything sticks out in terms of maybe how you were raised or just the way that you and your dad built the business about how that resiliency was developed in you and how you think it could be developed in others.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a tough one. I'm, I'm certainly raised to be very cautious and growing the business my dad was much more cautious than i was i grew it a lot faster particularly after he retired (laughs) (laughs) um but opportunities were there and it's, it's tough i'm sure everybody knows in their life whether they're in business or not you have opportunities and you have to make decisions on those opportunities and sometimes they work out well, and you say, "Thank goodness, I made that decision." And sometimes you make that decision, and you 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 think about what might have been if you, the decision was the other way. So, that said, it, it's you know, I I don't think there's any secret sauce to to how you get here. It's a matter of uh, passion for what you do. Having my family here, I have my daughter here as our brand manager. I have my son here as our operations manager. My nephew is our um, controller. And as I mentioned, my wife used to be our dispatch manager and, and my dad was here as our president as well. You know, it's, it's more than just a paycheck. It's more than just a job for, for us. It's, it's our family. It's our family. It's our family's legacy and the people who work with us are extended family and our family's uh, belief that as long as we stick together, we could make it through. And uh, so far it's worked.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Well, I appreciate that. And yeah, completely agree. Um, what are your expectations you mentioned that there's a couple year you're expecting maybe a 2 to 3 year full recovery process um, in the next 3 to 6 months what are you thinking
1: in large part i believe that's due to, due to capacity everybody i'm sure is well aware of the labor uh, crisis we have um, that was building up pre-pandemic in in the tourism industry and certainly in the transportation industry people talk about Supply chain challenges people have, uh, that's that's in large part due to two things, truck drivers and truck mechanics. There is a crisis going for the last 10 years in that, and it was just precipitated by a pandemic uh, that has brought it bubbled to the surface. Uh, the drivers are the low hanging fruit, the ones that everybody sees, see and and think of. Uh, certainly the commercial driving uh, challenge with, with trucking and busing, uh, as I say, right across North America has been a challenge. But People forget the the, uh, the mechanics are just as important to keep these trucks slash buses on the road. And that trade has been shrinking for every five mechanics, commercial heavy duty mechanics or commercial mechanics that are retiring. Only one is taking their place across North America. It is a huge crisis and will continue to be. Uh, and until we get our trades uh, back up to where they need to be. Uh, just on a side note on that, John, we all know about the uh, electric vehicle craze as well. That you know, we all want to, we all care about our environment, but there's a lot more to it, and if you deep dive into it, it's way more than just buying the equipment. I always, I've always said in this business, the easiest part of the bus business is buying the bus. After that is when all your challenges comes and uh, one of the biggest challenge we have is uh, maintaining and keeping these buses safe and on the road and uh, again um, we have our own facility here and maintaining the level of staffing we need for our technicians is a huge challenge and i know it is for many others right across north america so that's that's a big concern about the regrowth or getting back to 18 or 19 levels i think the demand is there but Capacity in restaurants, capacity in hotels. Uh, they you hear about hotels not having all their rooms open because they don't have the cleaning uh, staff or the restaurant staff, and so um, it's hard to get back to eighteen nineteen levels when you don't have the capacity to bring those back. The cruise ships are coming back, three hundred fifty of them round numbers, uh, in 2022 here. Uh, but w- the big unknown there is how many people are going to be on those ships, number one. And number two, how many people are going to get off those ships when they arrive in Victoria as a port of call.
0: I want to jump forward a little bit into the future-proofing side of your business. You've touched on a, a number of questions that I was going to ask you about. About You talked about diversification of your revenue streams, the EV vehicle challenges. But I'm wondering if the pandemic has made you think at all about some, like I put down some notes here about like direct B2B transportation services. Is that something that you've ever looked at? Um, or is it just kind of, that's just not your world and that's just not where you're going to go?
1: No, we look at everything for sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. We're, one of the things that we've had to do is because of our leaner core of people, we can't do everything we used to do. We used to have an airporter service here in Victoria. We're not operating that service right now. We simply don't have the uh, drivers or again as i mentioned the mechanics or the operation staff to make that happen that that service is currently dormant so we've had to look at all of our operations and figure out which ones we are going to be able to bring back that makes the most sense for the assets we have and when i say assets i just don't mean the buses i mean the people people in today's business world i think are the biggest assets anybody could have they're at a premium, and good people who help um, make your, run, uh, your, your business run are as valuable as a $600,000 motor coach uh, to us. And uh, so we need to make sure we don't stress our people to the max trying to squeeze out the last penny out of every piece of equipment. Um, as such, we have 150 pieces of equipment overall, and there's only about 75 or 80 of them on the road right now. And that's going back to why I think 24, 2024 or twenty five is where we're going to be back to 18-19 levels is because it's going to be a slow growth period to get back to those levels. Government support is a key part of this as well. The advocacy efforts that I, I was involved, myself and my daughter were involved in, and the BC government has been very kind uh, to our intercity uh, network of our industry and also to our uh, tourism industry. The federal government, however, although they did have um, rental relief and and uh, um, wage relief uh, subsidy, I should say, now that the things have come back, where we have been pushing is to look at the hardest hit industries. Again, I've, I've made my plate around uh, at tourism being one of those. And these, re- these relief efforts need to carry on for at least another six months better yet we're pushing for some financial backing with our financial institutions uh as you can imagine they've uh, been uh, the big six banks the financial institutions have been really patient and and played well with the most of the big operators the anchor operators in in the uh industry however again as i mentioned our books have been tapped most of our cash flow is being tapped so we now are almost self-financing. In other words, operation money, cash flow is what's financing getting other buses on the road. A bus that's been off the road for two years costs between 30 and $50,000 to get it back on the road with repairs and getting it inspected and everything like that. You can imagine that that adds up quickly, right? So we continue our advocacy efforts on, on all levels, but certainly we feel the federal government needs to understand that for tourism to come back, at the strengths it was before, and it can, and it will. But if for it to come back quicker, they need to maintain their their uh, support efforts uh, in our industry. Simply because it, it's a different level of uh, damage that was done uh, as one as a hard estate industry for sure.
0: I want to ask you a little bit about the sustainability side of things, and I don't know. Reading between the lines, talking about the EV power systems. Was that from a mechanical maintenance perspective that just the knowledge and the by extension, the capacity of the people who have that training is just not there to to support an EV transition?
1: Yeah, our post second post secondary trade institutions need to uh, get caught up in the training of mechanics in these. For sure, they're just starting to get caught up in the in the personal vehicle space, right? And we know I think BC's lead in the country in in purchases of uh, EV uh, EV. Uh, personal cars. So um, it's a a number of things. uh, Number one, the commercial uh, vehicle application for electric, just touching on electric, is not where it needs to be to make it a viable solution in all applications. Um, I'll just give you a quick example. So BC Transit, um, or a transit operation, has set routing. We know what that routing is. We know what the mileage is going to be every day. So they can apply for low mileage uh, uh, routing. They can put an electric uh, bus on that on that route. But range, as you can imagine, as you know, for electric vehicles is a big part of what they can do and what they can't do because there is charging implications to it as well. So in our business, we may have a bus that does a transfer in town one day. The next day, it may go up island and back. And the next day, it may go on a five-day Rockies trip. Now two of those three trips, that bus can do. The third trip, it's not able to do because the infrastructure is not in place yet to charge that bus on the Rocky Strip. So you're kind of getting my, my, the gist of this here. There's, there's the repair piece side of it that needs to get up to speed. There's the range side of it that needs to increase and reliability and cost factor. The simple fact is particularly post-pandemic, we're looking at a $600,000 motor coach costing $1.2 million if it's electric. And then the third piece of it, is the infrastructure piece. And I'm not trying to slam governments, but it's very easy, and I've been doing this a long time. As I say, I've been at a lot of tables with a lot of politicians and and bureaucrats and industry partners and such, and uh, environmentalists, we all care. I have kids, I have grandkids, grew up in this city. I love this city. I don't want the environment to be impacted by my buses, trucks, whatever. I I wanna do the best we can for our, our community, our country, but I also have a job to do as far as running this country, this company and what, what we can do. And we do everything we can. We've converted a double-decker. We've used a couple of electric buses in different applications. But the infrastructure piece quite simply isn't there. And When we sit down at tables uh, to say, hey, I have a facility up in Campbell River for an industrial contract that I can change all those buses to electric. The range is there, but I need my facility to be able to charge those buses and in talking to bc hydro it's going to cost half a million dollars to get that infrastructure in there and there's nobody to pay that bill except me well the money is just not in the contracts to make that happen for us so i like to say we sit down at tables we all have the great ideas in mind and we all want to do better but often the only checkbook on the table is mine or our industries. And I just know, I just being it lo- here long enough. I know the, the uh, gross margin, the net margins in our business are not there to make a transition uh, to double the price of the capital cost of a coach to pay for the infrastructure uh, without some help, without some subsidization from governments at all levels. So we all want to do better, but we, you know, it, it's, it's more than just talking about it. Everybody's got to come to the table.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's tremendous, and the way that you've laid it out is is so great, and I think validated by even some of the stuff that you saw with the federal budget today, where there's this massive revenue spike they weren't expecting, and it all came from natural resource development. So, kind of a, an un, an uncomfortable truth for some about where our money actually comes from and just the realities of it. Um, so, I do I do appreciate that. You mentioned family a number of times: your daughter, yourself at the at the government's table, doing a lot of lobbying. Where are you at with the family business succession side of things?
1: Yeah. I mean, the plan is for, for the uh, three kids, if you will, Um, Travis is like a son to me (laughs) to uh, take over the business for sure. Um, I'm only 55 years old, so I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. I was hoping to go sooner, but the pandemic has made that change. Um, So, you know, we work well as a team. Um, They're still, uh, you know, in their mid thirties. So um, they, they have lots of time. They, have a growing families themselves i'm i'm sure they're they'd like their little little ones to grow up a little before they take on more responsibility so i think we have a good group uh, to move forward with in in our company and in this business. Uh, all of them were born into the business, so they understand it. Even though they're in different roles, they understand the root of the, and, the, and the, the basics, boots on the ground of the business, and can bring it to their application, whether it's in Samantha and in the branding, the, the marketing, the sales, the communication piece. Travis in the financial piece he's been in operations as well so is Samantha and then Andrew is in the oper- he's the operations manager and maintenance manager and uh, it, so between the three of them they understand the whole aspect of the business which is really hard for someone to come in from the outside and just be in sales or in maintenance and, and really truly grasp the whole group of companies. uh, Because as I say, we've been in uh, five, we're in five different sectors uh, and then we're in some other kind of oddball things like uh, sports teams and things like that. So, Yeah. yeah.
0: Quite a number of those, if I remember correctly. Last question before we hit the final four here. Is there anything that sticks out to you from an advice perspective? I've, you know, I've kind of pressed you a little bit on kind of the resiliency, uh, the overcoming that kind of stuff. Is anything, you, if you're, if you're speaking to other entrepreneurs or business leaders or future entrepreneurs, anything that kind of sticks out to you from an advice perspective?
1: You know, it, it, that's tough. I mean, it's, I, I go back to making a difference in what, at whatever level you can, like it, it's easy to make a buck. It's a lot tougher to make a difference in whatever you do, uh, whether it's in the community, and again, I, I, I firmly believe we wouldn't be here today as a company, or grow to the size we were are as a company, without the support of our business partners, uh, our our community partners in business and in in uh, just the community in general. Both, and I'm not just great great Vancouver, but all of Vancouver Island and now Vancouver as well. So, we live in a special place, and I truly believe that people will notice uh what you do in the community and give back to the community and they'll support those who do so that's what i uh, make it more than a job make it more make it a passion and make a difference
0: awesome love it and i've got four quick ones for you we ask these to each interviewee uh you have a favorite book could be business fiction nonfiction.
1: Uh, but, 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 yeah, I know you're going to ask that one too. <laughs> you no know, what? I'm, not, I, I'm not, I don't read many books anymore. I should, but I don't, I read like articles online and stuff. So I'm going to, I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to tell you one that really I did just finish recently that I read was, and it was Gordy Howe's book written okay. by his son, the son that didn't play hockey. And it was about being a dad. And I recommend it to anybody. It was real. I gave it to my son to read. He's got a three and one year old and Travis to read. He's got a five and three year old. I just, it's really heartwarming. And I think anybody uh, could understand it and really get something out of it from a true Canadian hero, uh, Gordie Howe. So big sports fan. So that's. uh. (laughs)
0: Love it. I absolutely love that. Best personal advice that someone has given to you. doesn't have to be verbatim, but could be kind of an amalgam
1: probably you believing in yourself never giving up and let the pa- let passion drive you but let also let it hold your reins as well like you know it's very easy to get excited about projects get excited about business and start overstepping your abilities or your teams or or your company's ability and next thing you know you're uh, you're in a very stressful situation trying to maintain a uh, a a large amount of growth in a, with a short period of time. And um, I'm not saying I haven't done it, I've done it, but uh, it's very hard to stop yourself and say, okay, does this make sense to do? So, you know, yeah, I mean, it's not a a riveting, but riveting comment, but it it certainly has led me to, uh, to stop and think about uh, decisions along the way. So.
0: App or piece of software you cannot live without aside from your email or the office suite?
1: Probably my ring doorbell. <laughs> I, can, I can see who's at my door.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. I, that's the first time hearing that one. I love it. And the last one for you, favorite restaurant on Vancouver Island?
1: Favorite restaurant in Vancouver Island? Pro- probably El Trazo, downtown. Downtown Victoria. Institution here.
0: Thanks for stopping by From the Trenches, the Business Examiner podcast. Sponsored by Coastal Community Credit Union. Who's helping you take care of your financial health? Visit cccu.ca for more information.